everyone, welcome to the Delta Flyers. We are a weekly podcast that discusses episodes of Star Trek Voyager in chronological order. Your two hosts along this podcast journey are myself, Garrett Wong, aka Ensign Harry Kim, and Robert Duncan McNeil, aka Lieutenant Tom Paris. If you are interested in either an extended version of this podcast or the extended video version of this podcast, both of which include added bonus segments, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers and sign up to become a patron. Hello, Mr. Robbie McNeil. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Although you didn't add a descriptive thing for uh, fabulous bonus material or, or uh, exciting or, or, you know, like stinky bonus material. It could, yeah. you know, it could be like that. You could yes, go with. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the, the adjective factory has to have, you know, they have to have, yeah, they have to get shut down just a little bit. Just yeah, to, uh, I understand. That makes to sense. it, so that makes sense. I will promise you an adjective for the next. Yeah, uh, I look forward to sure. the, you know, <laughs> the itchy bonus material. Yes, the itchy. I've never said itchy, but I've no. said fabulous. I've said sexy. We've had yeah. sexy bonus material. Yeah, we've had different adjectives, and the, and that will continue. So my apology to you, sir. Yes, and I should apologize to you because I, um, I think I had promised at some point that I would do another interpretive dance. Ah, of the introduction. You're right. You're I, right. You know, so maybe we'll get. Maybe I should do an interpretive dance to something else uh, in this in this uh, opening section. So um, I think I'm, I'm ready. If if, I, if we come up with it, I'm gonna. I, I've stretched. I've warmed up. I feel like <laughs> I'm ready for an interpretive dance. If we if we find the moment, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see all happens. right. Um, this week's episode is parturition. Uh, yes. A mouth, a mouthful. Parturition. Parturition. And what is yeah. that? What does parturition mean? We'll have to look that up later, for sure. Uh, parturition is is a term that I am not familiar with, but I'm sure we'll figure that out as we review this episode. Maybe it's yeah. something to do with like relationships or something. Because I think okay. my memory is. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Like that. Robbie and I are going to go and watch parturition and make some notes and come back and discuss. What's different about this episode is that we have a wonderful guest joining us for the review. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for that. Mm -hmm. And for those of you, <laughs> mm, who could it be? For mm. those of you who are our Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for a little segment that we call, What Do We Remember? All right, guys, we just got back from watching Parturition. And yes, we did. Say, I, I love this episode. Uh, yeah. Hands down. I, I agree. It. I agree. Very good show. Very oh. good show. It was a good, a great episode. And look who we've got with us. Ethan Phillips. The Neelix. You, the Neelix is here. Live we, in person. We That's are right. so honored to have Ethan Phillips and we yeah. refer to him as Johnny, so if they, don't be confused if you hear that, if we say Johnny. You know why I have that nickname? Because of my impersonation of Johnny Carson. I, I always had that nickname. Here's Johnny. Yeah. yeah. Robbie, did you know this? Ethan Phillips what? and I would share this little, uh, we would have this little moment where we would do dueling Johnny Carsons. We oh, would yeah. like sit, remember that? Oh, that's we would funny. Sit there and say, I, I, I did not, I, I did not this know that. This is funny stuff. And, oh. Yeah, this is really and Garrett Wong. Yeah. Ed, did you know Garrett? Uh, <laughs> I did not. I did not. I did Sometimes I played it. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, we would do that back and forth, and that That's was funny. Over. You know who was the best Ed McMahon I've ever and 
because I've done this a long time and I've had to make yeah is um Beltran? Mike uh, oh no no Beltran was was good but oh, oh Michael Dorn uh, Michael Dorn is really was he's a good astounding. Ed McMahon oh yeah, I can picture that actually I can I can imagine that he would be very good oh very, I'd love very to strong. hear that yeah I can't uh, wait yeah. to ask him to do that it's like he listened he, he channels him or something yeah. he's got oh. it really perfect. I didn't know he had voices in his voice. I did not. I did not know that. Either. I did not I, know I did that. Not, we did not know that. That's right. <laughs> um, this episode is written by Tom Zolosi, if I pronounce that correctly, hopefully, directed by mm-hmm. our friend, Jonathan Frakes. So Jonathan. this is the second Jonathan Frakes directed episode. Yeah. Do you guys remember how it was working with Jonathan, Ethan, on, a, on this particular episode? Any thoughts of this? Yeah, I worked with Jonathan on First Contact. And he's he's an extraordinarily efficient director. I mean, there's yeah. there's no fat in his notes. There's no um, mm-hmm. hanging out because he's indecisive. He knows exactly what he wants, yeah. and he just boom, he goes for it. So you feel like uh, very comfortable and free, and relaxed. The other thing I love about Frakes is that he loves actors. He really truly loves actors and the craft and. So he lets them know what he loves. I remember mm-hmm. that when he was directing this episode, it's like right. he would come in and just, and it wasn't bullshit. It was true. He was like, mm-hmm. that was so full of heart or that was, that was amazing. Like he just, there's, he's such a positive yeah. uh, right. cheerleader and, you know, and lover of because the Yeah. Mostly you just hear him moving on, you know? Moving <laughs> on. Yeah. And uh, he was always there with the, you know, everybody likes a pat on the back. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it was great to, to have yeah. him like that, yeah. Well, if I'm going to pitch in my two cents on Frakes, I would just have to say that when he's on set and you're there with him, his energy is palpable. You can mm-hmm. feel that energy immediately yeah. and that passion that he has mm-hmm. for directing and t- talking to the actors, you know, mm-hmm. and collaborating mm-hmm. with us. So it's really, it's a nice energy to have. You know, you know yeah. that he's not there phoning it in. He's there 100% and ready to work and be creative, right? Yeah. right. So, exactly, yeah. 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 It makes you want to put in 100% as well. Mm-hmm. For sure, definitely. So uh, one of the things that uh, when I watched the show, one of the first lines was when we were, I don't remember anything about this show. Mm. I don't, I'm making, I mean, it's like watching a hole in your life. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I did this did this short film when I was in graduate school, forty five minute long film, um, which I had one of the leads in, and uh, it was just, this is way back in eighteen forty seven, I think. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't even um, have film back then, but you made one. And we made one. Yeah. Even, I, I, all I remembered was the director's name, um, and uh, I googled him. This is about eight years ago, and uh, his name was um, I can't remember his name now, but I remembered it and. And three of these people with this name came up. And uh, I figured out one of them was in a bookstore in um, San Diego. And I thought, this might be the guy. So I emailed him. This is four decades later. And I said, were wow. you by any chance the guy at Cornell University who made blah, blah, blah? And he said, yes, yes, I was. <laughs> and, I, and I said, wow. you know, I never saw it. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll send you a copy. And if you make some DVDs of it and give me a copy of the DVD, you know, we'll be, we'll be square. So he sent me the film and I had wow. DVDs made. I actually made three, one for him, one for me, and one for the other guy, Ken Gray, who was the other lead. And I watched this film and I remembered virtually nothing. There were whole wow. like scenes where I was in a hospital, I was on a roof, where I was climbing a ladder up to a boat. Right. And I was like, it was like a, a dream. I forgot. You couldn't remember making it. 
I remembered wow. making it, and I remembered a couple of things about it. I remembered right. the first direction he gave me was, um, I remember the first day, it was the first direction, it was the first film I'd ever done. And he said, look dejected and go to the weed patch. And <laughs> that, was your, that, that was your very first on-camera very first direction. direction. On-camera direction, look, look dejected and go to the weed patch. And you've been doing that ever since mm -hmm. in your career. I took it to heart. Yeah, you really did that very first direction. It's been your marching Hi. orders ever since. Can we see this? Can Robbie and I watch this? Would you allow us to watch this? Oh, it's God, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I'm I, so curious. I didn't know a thing about uh, film acting. This was a good episode. I'll tell you why I think it's a good episode. And Garrett and I have been watching all these so far up until, you know, all season one and this one mm -hmm. up to episode six. My biggest complaint, Johnny, uh, has been uh, of the episodes has been when there's not character development. When we go through an episode and it's all about some sci-fi idea where they don't allow it to affect the characters emotionally and resonate and let the audience get to know who these characters are, it feels like an empty episode. And we've, mm -hmm. we had a number of those. Mm -hmm. This one was so successful because I really felt like it uh, allowed relationship and character and emotion mm -hmm. to resonate mm -hmm. in a beautiful way and mm -hmm. unexpected ways. And it was really structured around a, an emotional journey and a character journey rather do you than- think that, Do you think that sometimes they, they don't do that and they do more of a sci-fi idea because they perceive that there are viewers who like more of the sci-fi uh, idea than they do character-driven dramas? I wonder if that's- I, th I think probably, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. But even if you're doing a sci-fi idea, it's got to fold back into a character's experience or else the audience isn't going to connect. Like they're they're going to hear this cool lecture about some sci-fi premise, but they're not going to feel anything. They're not going to. It was really good for all three characters. I mean, yeah, Garrett was really featured. Beautiful, beautiful violin. We talked about this. It's very difficult to mimic the notes on a clarinet. Yeah, there's three octaves on a clarinet. Those of you who know it, and it's very hard to cover the right holes to go up. And you did, I think, four or five different tunes. Yeah, um, and it, wow. it, it's so not easy. You're playing the saxophone. I know how hard it is. Even if you watch a saxophone player and you, you watch somebody like John Coltrane, like, how the hell is he moving all over? That Derek just did it miraculously. I thought he worked very hard. We've talked about that. He yeah. really took that seriously. So I'm glad. Yeah, he, yeah. and you would know, Johnny. Uh, Steve Carr, who actually played uh, each of those clarinet pieces, so it was flawless. Like, and I told Johnny, I could have got by with a you know, a, a definitely a serviceable version of, uh, of that tune, sure, yeah. but not, you know, not an expert. Right? Why did you not choose to stay with that instrument? I mean, you, if you had stayed with it, you'd have chops up the wazoo right now. I know they would. And the clarinet is I, so cool. Johnny, I asked the production, I asked production. I said, can I just keep this clarinet at the end of the seven years? They said, no, they wouldn't give it to me. And I, I was shocked because I wanted to keep playing it. Oh, but towards God. the end, I kind of got upset because I felt that it, it wasn't a, a it wasn't a hip instrument, you know. I, I was used to seeing. Um, yeah. Oh, I think President, clarinet's President, very cool. Yeah, but President Clinton on the sax made the sax look cool, right? I remember when right. he was playing the, the sax. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. So I did ask the producers, "Can Harry play the sax?" And towards the end, they switched my clarinet out with a saxophone. If you watched the later episode, yep. season right. seven. I kind of, I kind of synopsized the episode as I can briefly pull it together. So yes. I would say this is an episode that really pays off something that was built up over a lot of episodes, which is uh, Neelix's 
jealousy and his his vulnerability about his relationship with Cass. And that had been building. Tom Paris and uh, and uh, Neelix are sent on an away mission to a planet uh, where they they crash. Uh, first of all, they don't want to go on this away mission together, but then they crash and they're stuck together. Um, and they stumble upon this uh, alien egg that hatches and they've got this vulnerable baby. Th this baby alien brings out their paternal instincts. It brings out who they really are underneath all of this insecurity and fear and bitterness or resentment with each other. It brings out their true nature of caretaking and, and mm -hmm. compassion and all those things. And they have to problem solve together. They have to work together right. to take care of this baby alien. And they become uh, true friends. And so yeah. it's, yeah. A, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful episode. Yeah. And Ensign and, and Kim has a great line in it uh, where he says, um, where he's talking to Jennifer, who looks stunning in it. Yeah. And is yeah. so good in it. Um, yeah. Where he says, uh, you know, they're going to be okay because Tom is such a great pilot and Neelix knows how to survive. Yeah. And those are great. Yeah. Just to address his jealousy for a second, um, he was very jealous, and um, it was a, uh, not a very attractive quality. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the reasons is because of his his past, where where he's lost his entire race, mm -hmm. not just his family, but yeah. his entire race. He hasn't seen a Talaxian, and, and so when he finds this relationship in his life, he he doesn't want anything to destroy it because it's the only thing he can hang on to in terms of a family. Yeah. So I think that's that's one of the reasons he's so jealous. I mean, I haven't watched Voyager in so long, and I've never even right. seen this episode. But looking right. at it, I go, you can begin to see an arc of a character yeah. years later. You go, oh, this is where it went. This is yeah. where it started, and this is where it ended. And uh, you fill in a whole bunch of stuff at the time that was just you know, not available to you because you were so involved yeah. in just the moments. Well, yeah. as an actor then, uh, Johnny, did you, uh, what did you draw upon for those scenes where you had to show your the jealous green monster? It's real emotion in fake circumstances. Mm -hmm. That's all acting is. So, you know, yeah. uh, if I was in this circumstance and I was really, I have access to jealousy, everybody does, you know? Yeah. So I'm just, that's uh, that's just imaginary circumstances, but yeah. real feeling and real, yeah. that's what we do. So yeah, I, I, I just said, oh, you know, he's got to be jealous, okay. Yeah. I mean, I think of Jodie Foster when they said, where did she study acting? And she said, I, I never studied acting. I just thought it was pretending really well. <laughs> mm. And I thought that was one of the great answers I've ever heard about. I yeah. love that quote. That's yeah. a really great quote. Yeah. You did such a great job at playing jealousy mm. in all these episodes. And for me, I'd have to I'll have to admit on this podcast that that's probably one of the biggest issues that I've dealt with in my 20s and my 30s when I was filming Voyager. And, when and how do you feel now? Do you feel like you've kind of conquered it a little bit? I, yeah, because you know, it, it's, a, it's about fear, right? It's fear of losing somebody. But the reality right. is this, if somebody decides to go and sleep with somebody else, they're going to make that decision. No, there's nothing you can do to stop that. That is their choice, right? If they choose to do that, so be it. That's not sure. the right person you want to be with unless you're yeah. in an open relationship and you're okay with that, right? right. So right. I also feel yeah. like, I, I, I truly feel, and I haven't come to this until my, my mid-50s, this, mm. this belief. But whenever somebody is triggered with some emotion, whether it's jealousy or fear yep. or anger or impatience, it's usually not the feeling about the person they're giving their emotion to, it's usually triggered in something in themselves. So in a way, jealousy for me might be the fact that, oh, 
I'm projecting the fact that I don't trust myself in a relationship. So, so I'm not trusting that person to be mm-hmm. uh, faithful or truly love me because I'm not that. I don't have those qualities. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like yeah. I'm projecting with my jealousy has nothing to do with how that person behaves. It's all about what, what I, uh, who I am. Fears about yourself. Yeah, it's really... If, yeah. I, I feel like projections is so much a part of our emotional life that when we really find serenity and peace and things, it's because we've kind of looked at our ourselves and our own lack of, you know, uh, fidelity or our lack of trustworthiness right. or our right. lack of right. honesty. Because if we deal with that, then we're we're creating that in our relationship. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm getting at is, um, Johnny is in a weird way, the jealousy with Kess, because what we did find out later is he had a lot of guilt with his race, his Talaxian race. He had a lot of, he didn't feel like he was trustworthy on some level. Well, he maybe. felt like he ran away from the battle he yeah. did while it was happening. So he, you know, he had a lot of guilt about that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of guilt. And so he's kind of internalized that and kept these secrets. And so mm-hmm. it's hard for him to trust people because he's it's really projecting that quality of himself in a weird way. Yeah. So Robbie goes through his long, um, you know, elaborate uh, synopsis of the episode, uh, Johnny, and then I come up with the haiku, which is the Japanese poem version, five oh, syllables, seven syllables. 17 syllables altogether. Yep. Yes, sir. So here we go. I'm a big okay. fan of haiku. All right. Neelix, so jealous, assigned to mission with Tom, must work together. Ta-da. Oh, <laughs> nice. It's great. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. I like that. Thank you. I love the haiku uh, summary. Okay, so the simulation, Tom and, and yeah. Kess are in the, yes. in the simulation. So my, yeah. So my question to both of you is when Kess falls into Paris's arms due to the turbulence in the show, yeah. there's a look between their eyes. Did I felt that Kess had a little bit of falling into Paris's eyes and maybe there could have been something from her side where she started to fall for Paris. Did either of you see that? And you as an actor, Robbie, you're looking directly into her eyes. We don't see that dead on camera angle. We only see it from profile of both of yeah. you. What did you remember from that scene, if you do remember? Well, I'm, I made a note to myself here in that moment because it was an awkward moment for me as an actor. I look at that moment and I'm like, God, that felt very sexually charged, like a lot. Yeah. Like why, yes. again, and, and, and Johnny, like I've been very critical of Tom Paris and his sort of, yeah, he was basically a boorish pig. And I was really frustrated that I sort of leaned into that. I amplified those qualities that they wrote and I, I wish I hadn't, yeah. you know, and in that moment, we're still early in our series. And so um, if they write that kind of story where then Paris is going to go into Harry's quarters and talk about how he's falling for casts and he's like which was a very charming scene but fundamentally i believe what they wrote that he's falling for casts so yeah. i've got to play that i've got to play yeah. that in the yeah. in the and scene i agree with garrett I, I definitely think that that jennifer as an actress uh, yeah you know you go you go with the um you go with the moment yeah yeah you try to do and yeah. and uh, and and that's whether it, it seems it's always going to be the best thing when you go yeah. with what, what you're feeling, hopefully, you know. Yeah. yeah, I do agree that Robbie played that perfectly, though. That pitched oh, yeah. the tone of, of that, that look into her eyes, and it was such a split second of, yeah. of beep, he hit that moment, like right on the head, like very, ping, very, like that. It was very, very uh, it was good. Okay. It was awkward. It was um, Yeah. Uh, do you guys, I like Janeway's 70-looking hairstyle in this 
type of, it's not that matronly bun yeah. of steel. Thank God. Yeah. I so the, the first time we see her on the bridge, the, the, the thing that I, I, I questioned was um, when they say, you know, they want to get down to the planet because there's food down there. And I think it's you or somebody says it's, it's a full day out of our way. Mm-hmm. And I thought, where the hell are you going? <laughs> right. the, the, you know, I mean, you're going to be there for, you're in the Delta Quadrant. What's a day? A full day out of your way from where? For, for, yeah. You have to fill up with gas or something? We're, we're on a 70 year journey. <laughs> One day. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so funny. That's so true, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I did oh, notice when they're talking about the planet that they referred to it as planet hell. And yeah. we used to say that in you know on the crew and on set we referred to the set over on the bridge the, bridge hell yeah, yeah bridge hell or yeah. or they said you got to go down to planet hell was sort of like the generic name we used for all the away missions on some planet that was that had caves and i don't know i never oh, heard yeah. us actually stage used 16 term. yeah stage yeah. 16 i never remember hearing that term used on the show as dialogue i always thought it was what we talked the crew called this the cave set planet right, hell right you know what yeah. i mean so it was interesting to hear the actual dialogue where they called it planet hell yeah yeah but i, I, I think that came from the crew yeah oh really i think so i think that yeah. that term of like planet hell was the generic term for our cave set well that and also the trigemic vapors did you, you yes, get a lot of try you get trigemic vapors uh, yeah you're, you're in trouble I had some, I had some, uh, you know, abdominal pain, but then the trigenic vapors just, you know, I just let that go, and I was fine after that. And who is who is Ensign Baytard? <laughs> the pilot. Why? I I really wanted you to do that with Ensign Baytard, by the way. He's he's brought up twice in the uh, in the program. Ensign Baytard. Why don't you ask Ensign Baytard? Uh, I was originally up for Ensign Baytard. <laughs> And then they realize, well, you can't read, you shouldn't play both. You should right. Right. Uh, let's go to the scene where, where Kim is playing the clarinet. We're going to go back to that for a second. And um, yeah. when you say, Paris, when you say, play something else so quickly after I played that, yeah. me as an actor, after having 27 hours of instruction to try to get the fingering right, and you so just cavalierly throw out, just play go play else. something else. I, yeah. I was so offended in real life. I was like, <laughs> you what are you doing to me i was really kind of you know feeling the right. like that yeah uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna repeat that i was like screw you i mean that was <laughs> so uh, annoying better. yes <laughs> that, that yeah thank you that i had to hear that from you and i remember being you know upset at the time i don't care now but i like that I scene in your that. quarters though i gotta say it's a great scene the it's a scene, really fun it. scene i feel I like love it. I watching love it. this episode i was i was watching my cheesy um, extra reaction sometimes to things. And oh, I was God. like, boy, I was really auditioning for like some network sitcom on that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was trying all the comedy, trying to squeeze all the light comedy out of it I could find. Your line <laughs> delivery of I didn't, when I looked at you and said, no, Paris, you didn't like have sex with Cassie. Yeah. You went, I didn't. You did this really funky delivery of didn't. Uh, I that didn't. Just, I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I loved that. That was different. And I Sick, like that. I was doing Paris, a lot of sitcom acting on this. Yes. Episode. Did you notice the tug that I did when I sat down? Very small no. detail. But it's a like little a lighter version. Tug? A lighter, yes, a lighter version of the wow. card tug. I sat down and did the little yeah. tug. Never noticed that until. But that was a very relatable scene. Two guys yeah. talking about mm-hmm. their love lives and just yes. sort of like, oh, yes. I'm in love with this girl. And 
she's breaking my heart and I yeah. sh shouldn't, but I want to, but I, you know, it, it just felt very relatable and real and kind of sick. Yeah, it was very easy, relaxed, very yeah. nice scene, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And here we come with the, there's an old Chinese expression. And this Johnny refers to the fact that the writers thought Kim was Chinese for the entire series. And in reality, Kim is the most popular Korean last name in the planet. And the funny thing is when I say, there's an old Chinese expression, stay out of harm's way. And then Paris looks at me and says, that's not a Chinese expression. And you say it with such a matter of fact, like you're the expert on Chinese, on Chinese. proverbs. And yeah. I'm like, wow, how does this, he? and I, I rational, my rationalization of this, Johnny, was that I thought, okay, Kim is clearly Korean, but while he was at Starfleet Academy, he took an interest in Chinese studies. So he took right. a lot of, you know, where he studied okay. Chinese okay. on his own. And I had no clue that they thought it was Chinese yeah. the whole time. Oh my God. Harry Kim. Yeah, Kim is one of the most common Korean names. Common Korean names, exactly. Sure. Yeah. My question to you, Johnny, is that the term sweeting, did you ever ask the writers where that was from? how no, they came up with that. I, I, I stopped asking the writers anything after um, <laughs> a scene I had where I was tucking that little, uh, the first actress, young actress who played Naomi Wildman. We had, a, remember we had a little girl who was only about three or four um, before we had- um, Scarlet. Scarlet come in. Oh. So, and she did two episodes and, and she was just too young for the part. And she, right. She, uh, but um, I, the first scene, I, I was tucking her in a bed and she had, uh, it was a teddy bear. It was called a Tark, T-A-R-Q, yeah. which yeah. I guess is something that's in a lot of Star Trek. Yeah. And uh, they've had another series. So my line was, good night, Mr. Tark. I, I say to her, good night, Mr. Tark. Yeah. And, um, and we're filming, and I said, good night, Mr. Tark, sir. And I hear, cut. And uh, what's, who was our script? Co Cosmo. Cosmo. Cosmo hear, uh, There's no sir. <laughs> and I go, oh. Uh, and... Uh, and then uh, the director, I forget who he is, says, do you, you want to say, sir? I said, yeah, it'd be funny if he says, sir. I mean, it's, I don't get him. Well, let's, let's call the writers. And it took 20 minutes to get the writers to approve, sir. Well, I'm in five pounds of makeup. Yeah. And I said, uh, yeah. I'm just going to say what they wrote. I'm not going to ask them anything. And I didn't <laughs> yeah. for the next seven years. Yeah. They just said what they wrote. Well, it's kind of amazing. Uh, you know, we've talked, Garrett and I have talked about this, is that, you know, nowadays, there's always a writer on set. Always. Mm -hmm. I have not done a show in 20 years where we haven't had a writer sitting right next to the director, you know, collaborating and partnering with the director and the actors to make sure that if there needs to be a rewrite or the intention of a line or any questions from the actors about, mm -hmm. you know, the, the concept oh, yeah. of the story or where it may be going in the future, all those things come up. We never had writers on Star Trek ever. No, we didn't. They were never there. Never there. Sometimes and, one of the producers might direct and he would be involved in the writing, but they had something called tone meetings, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that's, uh, that's about I, as, in, as much collaboration you had with the, with the writers was you had a, the director would have a tone meeting where you'd go through, you spend a couple hours going through the script and they'd kind of explain what they were hoping the, the tone to feel like of each scene or anything. That, that means that, uh, what happens in the filming, let's say that it takes on a life of its own that's different from what the tone was, that's curtailed, that's somehow, it, it almost is a restraint in a way. Yeah. Uh, let's say let's say that, that they want this as a serious thing and it turns out to be very funny, they're not gonna let you go there. They wanna no. go back to the tone they set. And I think that's, uh, that's anti-creative in some ways. Yeah. 
John Ethan, do you have any memories of anything that stands out in that first dinner scene with Kess uh, early in the episode? None. Okay. Nothing. I, I, the only thing I remember about that episode was we were uh, on the set on stage 16. It was about nine o'clock in the evening. And it was Friday night and we were, mm. it was late. And uh, I remember that I had a midnight flight out of Lax that night and I was just praying that I get out in time to get to the airport. And that's mm. the only thing I remember about that episode. And I do remember getting out in time. You mm. made it. You made but it. I clear as a bell, remember lying there on the floor, covered with trigemic vapors and thinking, <laughs> God, I hope I make that flight. <laughs> I did love when uh, Janeway pulls the doctor up on the uh, the little console next Important, to her. Yeah, the console view. Yeah. Yep. Mm. I love when he came on because he started talking about how he was eavesdropping. And Janeway's yeah, yeah. like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and Chakotay is looking at it, and she shuts it down, which I thought was a great thing. It was First of all, it was a funny little scene in an exchange. Right. But also, it was important for the audience, like, because if the doctor can just listen in on everybody's lives all the time, that's a right. real creepy. That's not good. No, it's, it's not very good. creepy. It's creepy, that, so. That scene immediately reminded me of the world that we live in today, because now you can say, hey Siri, so you, all your devices are always yeah. listening to you at all My times. My Siri's so. always off. Yeah, I have right. no, I have no. You turn it off, very good, like, good for yeah, you. You should probably off for, do that. Since I got the phone. You should do that. My, my, my love... sister was talking about that because they were talking about shoes. Uh, I was with yep. my sisters and, they were, and the next day they had all these ads uh, yep. that came up on their feed for shoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and they figured out that was Siri listening. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's I love the doctor's. I, it is messed up. I love the doctor's line. I'm a doctor, not a voyeur. You hear yes, that for the first that time. That was great. But did you also notice that when he's talking with Janeway on that little portable view screen that pops up, he actually looks left and right. Like he looks at Chakotay and back at Janeway. Yes, I if there's a, if there's a wide right. angle lens right. or something that he's able to see that far over. I, I saw that. So, I noticed that. Yeah. Again. So I thought that was really kind of interesting. Um, after that is the scene of, of Paris and, and Kim coming in to Neelix's mess hall and getting some of the Alfarian hair pasta. And yeah, I, we I see... put a, I was mugging up a storm in that. Oh, scene. no, you was I was, was like, hey, well, we both were kind of overboard like, yeah, it was uh, very in our expressions funny. because it was, you know, we're pretending we're just... to be nice. Yeah. 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 But that scene when we walk up to Neelix and he's handing us the pasta, right? Yeah. And then, uh, just uh, Robbie, I love when Robbie goes like, whatever, we just have a lot of bridge operations to discuss. And that's so it. He's just sort of, whatever. What, oh. you're, you're really dismissive and just so curt. And it was just hilarious. But then you subclass genus was brilliant with just, you can see. You know, you two, you two, you, Ensign Kim and um, Tom Paris are the only two people in seven years who complimented me on my food. Oh, really? Years. Yeah, you did it once. You wanted a second helping of some stew I had made. Ah. I think Janeway turned it and said, basically, are you kidding? And you said, no, I like it. Ah, and I and Robbie, in, uh, and I remember this because I went, it was in fair trade. And I went to see you because I was about to go down and meet an intergalactic drug dealer. And I needed to know, am I doing the right thing? Right. And I go to Robbie and I said, you've been in trouble in your life. And, you know, <laughs> am I doing it? He says, just do the right thing. And I go. And I leave, and as I get to the door, it was in the science lab. Remember that room? That oh, yeah. And as I get to Robbie's, Robbie says, by the way, Neelix, I really like those Endorian sweet roots. <laughs> even though I'm about to face my death, the character's like, like wow. <laughs> Really? 
So you two are the only guys who ever found funny. Uh, I just always remember your line, Johnny. My farragoid goulash is infamous. <laughs> and, then, and maybe I needed second helpings of farragoid goulash. That might have been it. it was. Um, when you guys fought, you you have that great line, um, I'll kill you, it's too late. I'm bending your hair pasta already did the trick. These food insults are going on while you're battling. I know who my stunt double was. His name was uh, is Merritt Yonka. Merritt Yonka. Merritt Yonka became my, uh, when I was producing Chuck, Merritt became my stunt coordinator. The, oh, that uh, Merritt. Yeah, Merritt Yonka. Oh my God. And I didn't put it together when when he got hired onto Chuck as the as the stunt coordinator. And he came in one day, not long after we started, with a photo of he and I and the spaghetti on both of us, identical, you know, side yeah. by side. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe wow, it. Wow, wow. Yeah. I don't remember his name, but he was he was there for the whole time. I mean, he was okay. a really good guy. He was very good. Yeah. He, he, he did um, Fan, who you sent that wonderful video that you yeah. showed me, uh, Robert. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a there was one of those ratchet gags where you're getting uh -huh. pulled way back, and he did that. He, he was... It was really cool. I hope, Johnny, I hope your your stunt double got double pay on that time and a half because he had to do every he had to get everything put on just like you. Am yeah, I right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, he's two and a half some, hour, three hour or two and a half uh, hour. It, it started at three and a half and, and Scott got it down to about under three. Yeah, well, yeah. Scott can do that. You know, he's so he's so good at that. It uh, was always another hour yeah. during the day where it was falling apart, and then an hour and a half to take it off. So it was a lot of time in the chair. Did your stunt double come up and commiserate with you and say, man, I don't know how you do it. You know, I mean, I, this is just- No recollection. <laughs> you know, they probably removed his makeup with alcohol, which they did with all the guest stars. Um, and that's harsh on your skin. Very harsh. Yeah. And they did it out of expediency, but they would never do it with me because I would have been, in a month, I would have been gone. Yeah. yeah. But I remember uh, Jamie Sloyan, who played Jatrell, after oh, yeah. six days, having yeah. his makeup removed again with alcohol. It was all, his skin was cracking. And I thought, uh. it's just not- I know when the when the pandemic started and everybody was using um, hand sanitizer like 500 times a day, mm -hmm. that I noticed my hands. Uh, I'm not I'm not using it quite as much as I was back then, mm -hmm. and maybe my skin's used to it. But my hands were cracking. So yeah, the yeah. alcohol on your sure. face. I mean, it was cracking my skin on my hands. It's terrible. Imagine on your face. It would. But it would it would come off in about a half an hour. Right. Yeah. It, a lot better. faster. A lot faster. That that warm towel kind of helped <laughs> a little bit at the end. Oh, that really the warm hot towel. towel. Yeah. That's right. To this day, if I smell aloe vera, yeah. I'm right back in that mirror. Right back in, that's funny. I forgot uh, about you, the warm towel at the end of the night. I had four. I bet. Oh, yeah, you, you needed multiple ones. Scott always had four. Yeah, good old <laughs> Scott. Um, the, the scene in Janeway's ready room, when you two are, you're reporting to Janeway and that, that comment from Janeway, would, would anyone care to explain is just the looks that you get from Janeway with you two was classic. Loved it. Did really well on that. Well, scene. that was a great the thing. I remember about that scene is that I went and made a ready room for myself, which I still had to this day. So if right. I'm about to do something like eat dinner or go for a walk, I go to my ready room first, get ready, <laughs> get ready. Yeah. Get ready and then move on and do whatever the errand was. Right. That's amazing that you, yeah, you take this very seriously. You're, commi you're committed. You're committed. Speaking yeah. of seriously, I, I thought it was interesting when uh, Kes goes in to talk to the doctor and she's frustrated and he's like, what's wrong, Kat? You know, something's wrong. And she finally admits that, you know, Tom and Neelix have been fighting over her. And the doctor says, well, uh, you know, uh, that kind of thing's been going on for hundreds of years, you know. 
there's I've read about autopsies that resulted from duels over yeah. love or something. Yeah. And she's like, that's not funny. And he goes, no, it's not. And I thought in that moment, he's absolutely right. Like that doctor's perspective of it's not funny. Like we're, we're kind of doing the funny version of it, but mm -hmm. that kind of jealousy can lead to a lot of destruction and duels back in the day. Like this is, this is a timeless oh, yeah. kind of experience. Definitely, and, definitely, definitely. You know. I remember, well, maybe it was in that scene, Garrett. It might've been the scene, I think it's your line, where they ask how far away is the window of opportunity and you I oh i say i think so i mean yeah yeah, yeah Chakotay you, know, you, go, you go about 53 minutes and what oh is yeah, that what i said okay. is that, yeah you say about 53 minutes i think about 53 minutes yeah i mean about 50 minutes but right. 53 is so specific so it's when the, the airlines go we'll be landing about uh, in seven hours and 31 minutes and 12 seconds i go why don't you not what, take out the about yeah so that's too specific to say about uh so true can I go back one one scene before what you just yeah. talked about, uh, yeah, Robbie? Yeah. In the briefing room scene, I need to ask Johnny, what was that look on Neelix's face? Like, right, you're sitting right next to Paris, and you just do this. Oh yeah, this really weird, like. What, I do that. Like, I, I, you know, I did that twice in this episode. What was that face? Um, it was it's sour. Just dis it's disgust. Just, yeah, pure at disgust. This, at this arrogant. Bastard. But yeah, sitting next just to you. Just pure disgust. Oh, you could. It's pretty could arrogant. Just, yeah, he was pretty yeah, arrogant. I, I loved it though. Yeah, I loved it. But let's just talk about Jennifer Lean. I mean, the energy she brought into that scene with the doctor is amazing. She took yeah. it from the hallway, talk, trying to get information from Neelix. Neelix dismisses her, and she takes that frustration right into the doctor, and the doctor mm -hmm. has to pay for it. And, yeah. and for her age, how young she was when she, she filmed was this, such a good actress. Like, she's like a baby, um, but she was so talented. She <laughs> so was so talented. unedited. She, you know, she was always right there oh, you know, so present just, so present so present just and, and, and I, had, I had forgotten how many characters were infatuated because clearly the doctor says in the scene with Cass, he goes mm -hmm. oh he's clearly his affection for you is obvious or something mm -hmm. like yeah. that the doctor mm -hmm. says mm -hmm. and she's like really and he goes oh yes well every time you walk in the room his blood pressure so it's yeah. literally a scientific diagnosis that tom there's no question he he had some affection for her Sure, um, sure. And obviously Neelix did. And then the doctor in the same scene sort of says, you're only two years old. There's some things that you just don't understand, Cass. And for me, the subtext was the doctor, because in previous episodes, they had gotten very close. The doctor was in love with her too. He even sort of admits it in that moment yeah. of, you know, there's some mm -hmm. things I can't even explain to you right now, Cass, because you're so young. And in that mm -hmm. subtext, I felt like the doctor going, I love you too. I have, everybody loved Cass. It was, mm -hmm. I had yeah. sort of forgotten that. She was, she God, brought out yeah. the heart in so many people. She was easy to love. Yeah. That scene where, where Cass come, where Harry goes to, to kind of console Cass, I thought, boy, that would be really interesting if like Harry started making out with Cass and it was this bizarre <laughs> love triangle. And that's in reference to the New Order song from 1986 by the British band, New Order. Uh, that would have been insane. I have a New Order t-shirt. Oh, there you go. Thing. Yes, I used to love dancing to that in college. That was my, oh, yeah. my, New that Order was my was jam. Awesome. Yeah, I, I love the line that, that the doctor says, uh, going back to what you were just talking about, Robbie, um, the colorization of his ears turns decidedly orange, <laughs> that line. And then when he said that you're only two years old, that to me was like the doctor's ASMR line. You're only two years old. There may be a few things you don't know how to look for in a man. In time, you'll understand. 
That was his very <laughs> ASMR sort yeah, of Yeah, it was very soft and very delicate. Only, only two years and old. And that's, that's yeah. why I, I took that line as the doctor kind of implying. That he's in love with her. I have feelings for you too. too. Of course. Yeah. That was there. He's never that soft with anybody else. He's very short. He's very curt and almost to the point of being an asshole to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. A jerk yeah. to everybody. Yeah. But to her... He's so gentle and he's yeah. so understanding of everything yeah. that she's going mm -hmm. through, right? Mm -hmm. So he yeah. is in love with her. Great. I mean, so far this episode for everybody was a great yeah. episode. For Kess mm -hmm. was great. For the doctor yeah. had moments. Janeway yeah. had her new hairdo and she was funny. And mm -hmm. um, uh, So we take the shuttle down. So Neelix and Paris have to fly down to this planet. Yeah. I remember, uh, maybe because I was shadowing to direct, I have this memory that uh, Frakes and Marvin Rush, our director of photography, had created this bungee cam camera for these really big shakes that they wanted, because eventually, in, as we're going through the atmosphere and about to crash, that yeah. camera's going crazy. And, yeah. and Frakes wanted this crazy shot, so Marvin came up with bungees to hold it so that it would bounce and the camera would go. That's my memory of that shuttle scene, I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. bouncing around like crazy. Yeah. I, we'd never done it that big before. Right, right. And um, and Frakes wanted to do that. So, uh, and then we crash and we start to wake up. And I have to say, f I think first I said the words atmospheric leakage, and then you said it. And we said atmospheric leakage way too many times is my point. <laughs> it was like, okay, all right, enough uh, with your atmospheric yeah. leakage. Like, something okay. about Can that I, made it made me uncomfortable Rob, I, like, I like finding the garnishite <laughs> yes the garnishite who came up with that much i can just imagine the writer's room what do you want to call it uh garn garnishite yeah can i go back to the scene yes speaking around before you crash um you guys you know there's a lot of noise in the background you hear the noise the, the craziness and then I, I think anytime this happens, whether it's on a shuttle or on a, sh on a ship, we always do that thing where we raise our volume of our voice, right? Everybody starts getting yeah. really loud. And I always, I always had an issue with like, how loud am I, should I be? Like, should I be really like screaming at the top of my lungs? Is that, or, cause I don't know what, cause the director never tells you, well, it's going to be at a at this many decibels. So you should yeah. be here. You, you kind of make that own decision for yourself. Did either of you have any issues with that as well? When you were filming? I don't remember. Uh, okay, because that's I something remember. I remember specifically. It's a yeah. weird memory, but I do remember it. Huh. Um, the angle of the crash shuttle, you can see the camera is tilted up towards you, Johnny. Uh -huh. You're kind of like, you know, and so yeah. you really see a good take of your upper teeth. Mm -hmm. And those were the fake prosthetic teeth, correct? correct. Okay. Correct. The bottoms were always yours, and the top was the fake yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. In fact, um, I remember whenever he had to, whenever the character had to yell or, you know, get emotional, yeah. Uh, often they would pop out. They would fall yeah. out. I do remember yeah. that. Happened yeah. quite often. And we'd yeah. have to cut and we'd have to go back and put him in again. And, and uh, for years after that, after Voyager ended. Yeah. Um, and I, it doesn't, it still happens occasionally, but every show I did, whether it was theater, film, it didn't matter, before they'd say action, I'd go, <laughs> Do I have really? my teeth? Yeah. You reach for your teeth. I said, oh Do I have God. my teeth? And I go, Well, that's no, seven years of either. that. Yeah. Yeah, and it became were, so habitual. You were Action. conditioned, yeah. 
you were conditioned. That's yeah. amazing that that happened. Um, I always tell my favorite story of, of Johnny is when that happened was when we were filming in Bronson and it was so hot and all of us were complaining. And I've told this story at conventions before, but I think it's, it's good to just tell it here one more time. And everyone was complaining how hot it was. And we were like, Kiss, give us more water. We need a fan and somebody needs to get an umbrella for us. And we were complaining for almost an hour. And then all of a sudden, Johnny just loses it. And he's like, shut up, shut up. All of you, shut up. None of you is wearing a mattress on top of your head. Like that big point and shows us he's got five inches of foam that he's as hot as we are, he's 15 times or a hundred times hotter than we are, right? And when he said that, his teeth flew out. The, 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 they just flew out and landed on the ground. And we all looked at him and went, oh, you're right. And we all shut up because it was a lesson in perspective. He's mm -hmm. as bad as you have, as bad as you think you might have it. There's yeah. someone next to you who's 10 times worse off than you are. Right. Yeah. So it truly was, you know, sure. one of my favorite stories of you and your teeth. Where are you? Gary? Are you in LA right now or Vegas? Or where I'm in you? Calgary. I'm in Calgary. Oh, you're in Calgary. That's yeah. right. Um, it was 121 in Woodland Hills yesterday. Are you kidding? Yeah, one, really two, really one. Hot. Woodland Hills. Yeah. When's this heat wave going to end? They're going to too. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. I, that's like Las Vegas temperature, you know? I mean, it's, yeah, wow. It's, it's really intense. Um, uh, that's not I good. I can't imagine filming outside in this kind of weather. Well, we're all lucky no, to not right. be there then, right? Yeah. Robbie's in Vancouver. Yeah. You're, are you in Vermont right now? Are you in Connecticut? Where are you? I'm in Manhattan. Oh, you're, you're, in, you're in the yeah. city right now. Okay. Right. All right. Got your pad. You've been, you're the only, you've been here, Garrett. Been I have. Here. I, you're I, the I, only I, one, I'm the only one in the cast who's ever been here. Oh, no, I've been probably. there. Yeah, Rebecca okay. and I came up one time. We oh, had breakfast right. with you. That's oh, right. now I don't feel as special. I thought that I was I the know, only. Sorry. For a while you were. <laughs> but I was there before Robbie was, right, Johnny? That's I correct. beat Robbie. Yes, I'm still in first place. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could talk about this episode for hours, but I don't want to. I don't want to um, extend our welcome. Ethan has joined us today, so um, I, I I loved when we when we started going through the caves. I thought Frake shot that so well sometimes the caves look really fake and they don't they look yeah this looked real this looked yeah. very real and, and it felt like we were really journeying on a long kind of exploration um he had us coming up angles and you know we didn't have a giant cave set it was it was it had one opening with kind of an yeah. upper ledge and then it had a couple of tunnels and that was about it and he made it seem much much bigger than it was than right, it really right. was. So I thought that was done great. It also, I always love shooting at the caves because it felt like we were, it was our version of location. We didn't go on location yeah. very often. So yeah. it was like, oh, we're in the caves where it, <laughs> it just felt different than we're not in our quarters or in a right. hallway or, you know. Or the Jeffries tubes. The Jeffries. Did you guys notice the, the background noise when you were on the planet? Every time you were walking around the planet, you hear that eerie sort of background noise that they put in, in post. Oh. I didn't like, notice that, no. It's like, whoosh. Sure. It had this crazy, like, yeah. Oh, like, wow. These weird details I'm, I'm picking up when I'm doing this rewatch. Um, right, right. I just love the banter between Neelix and Paris when you're talking about, of course, it might not meet your personal culinary standards, Neelix I says pronounced that, that wrong. Yes. It's culinary. Oh, is it culinary? Is it? Oh, my goodness. I can't okay. believe I wasn't corrected on that. I, I didn't know that. I thought oh, it was I culinary. Would, I thought it was not culinary. culinary. It's culinary. Wow. Did Jerry Ryan correct you on that? How did you? No, I just it? noticed it watching it this afternoon. Oh, when I saw okay. it. I said, "Oh, I said, okay." Yeah. yeah, and Robbie's snappy uh, response: "Oh, don't worry. I've learned to lower my standards since you became cook." And then right after he says <laughs> that, Johnny, you make this weird sound. You went eh, like that. Do you remember <laughs> that? I You're love so like, like just. I love how just present <laughs> and just expressive. You don't know. 
you don't know what's going to come out of Neil. Yeah, no that little yeah was just so classic. And then Robbie <laughs> goes, I'm picking up some caves about a kilometer west of here. And then Neil goes, what good fortune. I mean, this this total deadpan, like, <laughs> I want to. It was like a sitcom. Yeah. It, it was, was hilarious. You guys were like the odd yeah. couple. The odd yeah, we were couple. like the odd couple. Very couple much so. I love when he accused me of wearing faux lime aftershave. Yes. <laughs> Remember that? I was like, I never knew Paris. I, Because I, he must wear something that Neelix oh, yeah. is commenting on. So I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. I never I never thought about Paris wearing faux lime, faux lime aftershave. <laughs> I, I do have an important note that Paris does science in this episode because you actually have an explanation about the vapors having the proteins. And oh, the that's right. And typically right. you've ta- you've commented that Paris, you know, isn't necessarily he's not a science guy, science guy. No, but he's here... usually the guy to go. Hey, so what are we saying here? Is this food yeah. or not food? You oh, know, yeah. He's oh, that yeah. guy. Right. Right. Neelix is the better man and apologizes to, Tim, to Tom, which is wonderful. Tom comes clean. Yeah. yeah. My one thought about that was, um, that was a, a great moment, but I think it could have, it missed one beat that I, I wish I had noticed when we had done it, which is when Tom says, um, you know, I used to be that guy, but I'm, I don't intend to blow it anymore. Right. And I don't comment on that. I go right back to my own problem or my own issue about right. jealousy, whereas mm-hmm. I should have acknowledged that in some way and, I, and the mm. character didn't. And I, and I regret mm. that. That's the one regret I had. I, I love I did that didn't occur to me I mean yeah. I, I it makes sense what you're saying but it didn't occur to me I thought that scene was beautifully written it was be- it was, a lovely was scene. really really beautiful proud scene. to have acted in it with you I mm-hmm. thought I thought we both I was very happy with what I did I love yeah. what you did yeah I thought the writing was good and again like I start like I started off by saying this episode is great and memorable to me because mm-hmm. it's got such great character work and relationship work and uh, yeah. Well, yeah what does parturition mean i don't know i don't know i don't know no one's no one's looked it up <laughs> i'm gonna look it up right now you can look it up right now i think that when tom comes clean and is honest with neelix this is truly the turning point of paris from being the lecherous pig to respectability again at this moment this is when you start getting better I yeah think, right parturition um, is the act of giving birth to young people yes Says, oh. So it's birth. Parturition yeah. is a birth, which wow. is interesting because it is a birth of a new relationship for Neelix and Tom. Right, it's, exactly. a birth, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a birth. It's a birth. Just like you were saying, Garrett, before we read the definition, it was the beginning of a, a new Tom Paris, which thank yeah. God, because yeah. I was really... Which includes a friendship with Neelix because yeah. uh, that line with Neelix says, uh, I don't pick Kess's friends for her just mm-hmm. my own yeah, and that's that, that line that's a great yeah. moment and that line refers to the pilot episode when harry is sitting there in the mess hall do you remember that and paris comes up and he's like well i guess you don't want to hang with me and he's like well i choose my own friends so that was the yeah same that's interesting that, similar yeah. Yeah, 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 similar right. language right so wow, it took until season two for you to share that moment with neelix but right. this is the but it's early i mean this is a this yeah. is a quick friendship for you guys immediately yep. and you guys must really be um i mean really getting to know the show i mean oh my god yes it's, it's been fun it's been fun because i i think uh well i don't remember a lot of it like i you know yeah. that's a running joke on this, oh, this yeah. podcast I, mean, I start off by trying to remember some stuff and i can't remember anything I, yeah, I, now yeah. and then a little well, bit it's been it's been over two decades you know yeah I mean, it's, yeah it's a long time ago but it's it's a real gift to be able to rewatch it and sort of remember some of this stuff and the times we shared and 
you know, because it was a big part of our lives. I've always planned to watch at some point. I said when I got older, I was going to watch the whole series because yeah. there's so many shows I didn't see. And um, my wife, Patty, she, Patricia, she saw all of them. Um, right. Wow. And, uh, yeah. and, I, and I'd really like to, someday I'm going to sit down and watch them. But, you know. You can join us anytime you want I, if you want to watch it. I'm, talk about I'm curious, it. Pat, who, who does Patty like on the show? Who does, whose character does she like, she, you know? Patricia likes Patty. everybody, but she particularly liked Beltran, I think. I bet she <laughs> did. I bet she did like Beltran. Don't embarrass her. Don't embarrass Patty on this. <laughs> um, he was a John, very charming man, Robert. Yeah. Chakotay as a character was very sensitive and new agey and strong and manly and all those things. And Great. very funny off stage. Very, yeah, yeah. I liked your uh, Johnny. I liked your choice of line delivery when you're talking with Janeway, uh, and Janeway says, "Did you hear what I said, Neelix?" And you're like, "Yeah." You do this. You do a George Takei. Yes, it's really like whoa. You take us on this like roller coaster ride with you. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that line down too from Janeway. That that Kate's line reading, and I can't remember what it was now. Oh, Kate's line reading. You didn't. You didn't write anything down about Johnny's line reading on that. His uh, no. It was. Response? It was. Did you hear what I just said? Neelix. Right? Yeah. What did yeah. you? Did you hear what I just said? Her line reading was very funny, and so was Johnny's. It was a great. It was a memorable exchange. Yeah. I can't funny. remember when we did stuff like that. And, yeah. Uh, was were I, was I working with Kate, or was that something she did separate from? Probably separate. You guys probably I, did your own little spin separately. Right. So That's it's Cosmo great. Genovese who you were acting off yeah. of. Right. What we're doing. Cosmo. Yeah. We're doing a Cosmo. I loved I love Paris's lines when he says, if you hear muffled screams, consider that a request for a beam out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look at that comedy. That very funny. And then there. that that actor had one day whoever played that that monster. Yeah. He was on stilts. I, I remember he was oh. on stilts, and Frakes hated the way that he looked walking because he was walking kind of weird and it was a stunt man or something yeah. in the makeup yeah. on stilts. And which I find interesting because the show that I'm doing right now, Resident Alien, we have an alien that initially they put on stilts to try to make him tall. And they've actually redone all that because they didn't like the way it looked, which is exactly what Frank said 25 years ago. Did you guys like the look of the alien? Because I personally thought that was a good looking alien. I liked it. Mike I thought it was a very good makeup. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Really good makeup. It was yeah. good. Yeah. Um, any issues with the working with the animatronic um, baby uh, alien? No, I thought given, given what we had at the time, I thought it was very state of the art. Yeah. Well, for what you need, it was perfect. For what, yeah, what? I want to say, uh, well, I, I guess I'll just say it. Yeah, <laughs> I, just I, say I liked it, it quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so I, and I, I loved this episode structurally because that last moment with Neelix in the middle. And he's got an arm around oh, was, Cass and an arm around Paris, and they're walking yeah. off into the sunset. Yeah, you know, it's the it it's very the well beautiful done. structure of the hero's journey coming around to a whole new yeah, place yeah. and and uh, uh, and a happy ending. And I just laughed a lot in this episode. I just I, got a kick out of watching it. I mean, it's so strange to see it. I mean, yeah, it was two o'clock this afternoon. I said, well, I got to watch the show. I've never seen it. And I'll see what it's. <laughs> I was yelling at my wife. I said, this is pretty darn good. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good episode. I think Frakes did a great job. Yeah, the writer, who I'm not familiar with, it must have been an outside writer. On my final note is the cold fowl in a bottle to celebrate at the end. You talk about that, right? That 
Uh, uh-huh, you know, he says, don't uh-huh. worry about this cold foul. And that reminded me that when we were doing the DragonCon virtual uh, convention, we were joking about what our Twitter names would be as our characters. And Tuvok's Twitter name was Cold Logic, was what he was. Oh, about. that's right. So, he said Cold so Logic. Cold, yeah, Cold Logic would be his uh, online uh, screen name. All right. What is your um, what is your behind this your theme of this? My what, theme, what we, my deeper meaning. Yeah, what what I had learn? written down, but I'm gonna adjust it a little. What I'd written down is uh, assuming makes an ass of you and me, which is kind of that saying, you know. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of assumptions made by Neelix and by Paris and a lot of people which led to you know conflict and anger and jealousy and all kinds of things. And then ultimately when they were honest and uh, more authentic, they realized that there was no reason for all that. But I'm gonna change the theme a little because I, I think the deeper meaning for me is um, authenticity vulnerability and authenticity, taking a chance to really be honest and to open yourself up and show who you are um, can lead to amazing gifts. Like that's the, that's the, the lesson to me because I think there was so much honesty from ultimately, like after we get through all of the jealousy and anger and bickering and whatever, once things got authentic, it led to this great gift. And so I would say that's the lesson for me. The mm-hmm. deeper meaning is like, you know, authenticity like it leads to some amazing gifts and wonderful. I like that a lot. Yeah, you know? yeah that is definitely the same. Uh, that, that is the strongest theme in this episode for sure. It is, yeah. it is that uh, this is like a blueprint for any couple, uh, whether it's a business coupling or a personal couple, that honesty or transparency is the best yeah. policy. You know, yeah. so that is definitely, I would say, the lesson that we can learn from this. That's a good episode. lesson. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. It's a very good lesson. All right. All right. Well, that's our recap. <laughs> I think. That is our, that's a is, good is that, recap. That's, that's yeah. a pretty, I'm pretty excited that we did that. Thank you guys for listening in, tuning in of uh, our review of Parturition with our special guests, Ethan Phillips, our good Yay. friend, Johnny. Yes, thank Thanks. you so much. Thank you for being here. And then uh, stay tuned next week when we review Persistence of Vision. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Bye-bye.